If you've been tuning in over the last couple months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports concerts and all types of shows. When you found the sporting event, concert, or show you want to attend, just use GameTime's quick and easy two-step checkout system to purchase your tickets. Well, now GameTime is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store, Click on My Tickets section of the app, create an account, then under the Billing section, redeem code THE ATHLETIC. Once again, that's THE ATHLETIC, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year, December 31st, 2019. So make your move quick and score last-minute tickets. Memorial Stadium. Since 1962. Since 1962. A sellout crowd. A sellout crowd. All sold out. Hey, we sold out, but we still save you a seat. The Sellout with Mitch Sherman and Max Olson. Hello and welcome into the Sellouts. Happy holidays, everyone. I'm Mitch Sherman, joined by Max Olson. Max, good morning. Good morning, Mitch. We are up bright and early on a Monday, the eve of the eve of Christmas Eve, taping this once again in my basement. Party. Yes. It is also bowl season. We, we, we got to knock this out so we can go get some Christmas shopping done. Are, are you all done? You need to get started? Oh, uh, I, 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 got, I got some finishing to do for sure. Yeah. I, we, you know, we kind of, we celebrated last night. On oh, really? Sunday night. Just the, the family here. Okay. We've got more, more to come, but... A lot of the hey, uh, lucky you to have three or four different Christmases. That's great. right. The, a lot of the um, the drama is is out of the way, and, okay. and the, the kids here they they they're enjoying their presence. Well, good right now. So it is the holiday season, which means it's also bowl season, though not in Nebraska. But we are not here today to sour your holiday spirit with talk about how Nebraska is staying at home again this season. Just the opposite, in fact. As you travel to holiday events this week, get ready to see family. We want to give all of our listeners something to look forward to in 2020. So don't sit down with your friends and family at Christmas and rehash the 2019 Huskers and all of the disappointment. We want you to look ahead, and we're going to help you do that. To a new year, it's a new decade. There is hope despite the brutal look of near-future schedules. So, in this episode, <laughs> oh, I thought I thought this was I thought we were just gonna do uh, all my disappointments with the new Star Wars movie. Or is this not the Star Wars pod? Is this the I Husker did, pod? I think I did say New Hope in the <laughs> in the last sentence there. Uh, that'll be a, that'll be a future episode. We should do a Festivus episode where I get into all my problems with the new Star Wars movie. <laughs> we could do that, and we'll yeah. talk we'll talk about it after the after the show. Maybe, so. Maybe we should just leave the uh, leave the recording on and see. Where that let's goes. not do the spoilers episode of Star Wars yet. We'll save that. <laughs> Right. I, we don't we don't want to we don't want to upset our listeners. So we to get you through the holidays, we are going to give you our reasons for optimism about Scott Frost's program moving ahead. There's plenty of time. There will be plenty of time in 2020 for all of the pessimistic talk coming off of five and seven season. But that is not why we're here today. We are going to list reasons why we feel good about Nebraska in the next year. So I, if we haven't just like entirely lost our audience, uh-huh. let's move forward with this. Okay. When you think about, hey, 2020 goes great 
for Nebraska football, what what's the first thing that comes to mind for you in terms of reasons for hope? Well, we are just coming off of recruiting. I don't know if this is the number one reason, but it's the first reason that I have listed as I sat down to hash this stuff out. And we are coming off recruiting, and I think even without the specter of recruiting, which just always breeds crazy optimism. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are a few teams out there that look at the results of recruiting and say, wow, we just didn't get it done this year. At Nebraska, in the early signing period, I think we can say from an objective point of view that Scott Frost and his staff did a really nice job, especially in closing out this class. And to me, the biggest win in this recruiting class is what Nebraska did with its wide receivers. So that is my first reason for optimism in 2020, is that Nebraska, as a group of receivers, can look entirely different next season than it did this year. And I'm not discounting the possibility that some of the red shirts from a year ago could emerge in this offseason, could become better practice players, could get a, find a way to get on the field. I think that the, the fate of that class is largely to be determined. But I will look at this 2020 group, specifically Omar Manning and Xavier Betts, yeah. and say these are different kind of guys who can impact Nebraska's offense as new receivers. And I also want to say that Cade Warner, his return to good form next season can have a giant impact on Nebraska's offense, or it should. We talk a lot about Adrian Martinez's health and how it held him back as a sophomore. Cade Warner is another guy who was never truly right mm-hmm. this last fall. And, I, and, and if he can be, he should be, he needs to be a big part of this offense as a different piece who can move the chains and do things for the Huskers next season. So I, I, I'm looking forward to a reshaped, completely new-looking group of wide receivers next year. Yeah, I because I think we I think we saw signs of what the run game looks like in 2020, um, yeah. but I, there just weren't enough moments where you felt like, oh, that's where they're going at wide receiver. There just really weren't. It was Adrian floating balls over the middle of the field to J.D. Spielman where he could get his head taken off and hoping you could complete them because you just and, and then finding myriad ways to try to get the ball to Wondell Robinson in space because that's kind of all you had. And even the tight ends weren't really incorporated that much into the passing game over the course of the season. And I just feel like all this kind of makes things go. It's it's not just to have better better playmaking and, and, and be a more explosive offense. I think it's I think it's crucial to to the confidence of your quarterback, you know, to know what they've got out there, to know, you know, if, if a guy like Omar Manning, and not to put it all on him because I think they've brought in a bunch of guys that can help, but if you have a guy like Omar Manning who can be a little bit more of a go-to guy who lets J.D. Spielman play his more natural role as a guy that stretches the field and is not the guy you're trying to force it to all the time, uh, I just think you start to see this offense turn into what people are used to seeing in Scott Frost offenses. Yeah, and and with that, Wandale Robinson can assume more of a natural position for him. You talk about Spielman and what his role should be in this offense. I think Robinson was overexposed also in 2019, and and, and he got injured repeatedly because of it. He's Mm -hmm. not a guy who you can depend on to touch the ball 
30 times a game in five different ways and expect that he's going to make it through uh, four games in four and, and weeks. And with the stretch. way this season ended, I, don't, I think they probably recognize as much as it's going to help him to get in the strength program and get, get, yeah. get stronger, you, if you lean on him too much, you're not going to have him at the end of a season like they did. Yeah, absolutely. So there's reason number one. Easy enough. Easy enough. Sounds, sounds pretty legit. Okay. What's your first reason? My first reason, and I looked this up, and this number might be imprecise, but my reason is the number 21. And the number 21 is, at this point in time as we're taping this podcast, the number of players still in the program from prior to the Frost era when 2020 begins. Now, that number may go down. You know, if you could see guys leave as grad transfers, you could see guys just decide to give up playing. That that tends to happen as guys get to graduation, right? That's it. Scholarship and walk-ons? Scholarship. We're talking scholarship players, okay? okay? Um, And and, and I think... And and that's not to say that those players are, are the root of the problem or anything like that. It's just that that's how much this staff has turned over this roster yeah. in two seasons through their recruiting classes, through the transfers, through the walk-on program. That that this roster is you're going to be more than, I mean, shoot, more than eighty percent Frost players. Yeah, and they've done that. They did that really, really quickly in one year, and then you have more attrition. You do it really quickly in year two. And so now we're at this point where this staff has, I, I think, they're starting to surround themselves with the kind of players they want to build this around. And that's not to say that there aren't players in that in that list of 21 that aren't going to be very, very important to the 2020 team. It's just that the roster transition, and if, if they, if, you know, you, you heard too many times this season complaining about, oh, we still have some guys here that don't get it, or we have some guys that, that, are, that are not really... They don't really totally embrace the culture, and we still have some problems here. And and I'm not saying this list of 21 guys is contributing to that, because I'm sure Scott Frost has brought some players in that are contributing to that. But the fact that they flipped this roster this quickly, I think it gives you reason for optimism if you trust this coaching staff and the evaluations they've done and then the developing they're going to do of the players they've brought in. Now, that makes that's going to make for a younger team when you, when you have that many players move on from uh, the, the classes that preceded this coaching staff. But I think the way that the roster has been flipped gives you some, if, if you trust what the staff has done in recruiting, it gives you some sense that you're going to start to see their players all over the field. Yeah, a couple of those guys who are among that 21, well, I'll say three of them, because we talked about this right before we began taping this episode. Mm-hmm. Colin Miller is one of those guys. J.D. Spielman is one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Ben Stilley is one of those guys. These are the players that you want to build around next year. Right. But your point is is very well taken that Nebraska has completely flipped this roster, and, and, and it is a young team. It remains a young team. It was, I believe, if you want to go by numbers of most freshmen on the roster, Nebraska was the youngest team in the country last mm-hmm. season. And mm-hmm. it's not going to be a whole lot different in 2020, but they're continuing to mature in that uh, in that progression, so I, I like that. That's uh, that makes me feel very good about Nebraska as I sit down to eat <laughs> uh, to eat dinner on on uh, on Tuesday night. My next reason is a truly motivated Adrian Martinez, and I will say, look, Adrian Martinez was undeniably motivated last year to go into his sophomore season. We're not going to revise history and say that that he was not. But I think this offseason should bring something 
new for that for the for the quarterback position and for Martinez in particular. First, because of the failure factor that that he experienced for the really the first time in his life as an athlete uh, this last season. Despite what he says and what you hear from Scott Frost, Martinez, I'm certain, is not pleased with the way things went for him on the field this last year. You know, Frost can he he tried throughout this season to deflect some of the blame to other places. He didn't want it all to come back on his quarterback. Uh, Adrian did did take it on his shoulders when. Uh, when he was when he talked about this after games and at press conferences, but you know I think in behind closed doors he's even more hard on himself than he was in public. Mm-hmm. We know that he had surgery after the season. Uh, Scott Frost says that he'll be ready for the spring. I, I think all of this combined with the fact that there is at least the perception of a legitimate competition at that position will lead to a new Adrian Martinez. It, yeah. I mean, isn't that healthier? Isn't that a healthier position that we're now in for Adrian Martinez? Now, look, it, some of it is like there's more criticism on him now and, mm-hmm. and more scrutiny. But like a year ago, he he's treated as literally a Heisman contender mm-hmm. after one season. Now he comes into this feeling like he has to go earn it. He's not being lavish with so much praise that it turns into this this immense pressure to put on a true sophomore right yeah and the, and, and, I, and the reason i think it works out well for him or as well as it possibly can is that he's been through tough things before yeah Th- this is not a guy who you, you you know you have to worry about well how is he going to handle this is not a thin-skinned dude no no he's been through tough things in his personal life he's been through tough things as an athlete with injuries um, in just just in competition, I I think he's he's prepared for what this off season is going to bring, and it's not going to be easy because I think mm-hmm. there's going to have to be a lot of uh, introspective analysis about how you know how and why things happened the way that they did in his in this last season, and and then how to fix it. Um, and some of it's it's not physical. Some of it is is in his in his head. I think we saw it in in games last year. So how do you? That's a difficult thing to fix, but. Yeah. Adrian is one of the few players that I would have a lot of confidence in being able to go about finding the right way to to, to fix that. So are we, are we calling this Adrian Martinez gets his groove back? Is that yeah. what we're calling this? Right. It's like Adrian Martinez 3.0. <laughs> Adrian gets his groove back. Yeah. That'll be the movie that we make about the, the 2020 Nebraska football team. So what's your next reason? Yeah, I'm out of reasons. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I think to I think to to jump off that, uh, don't you think that you could say a lot of the same things about Scott Frost? Don't, don't you think okay. that? I mean, as he's reminded people repeatedly, nobody wants this to work and to work faster than he does. Right. That is true. And he has reminded us of that. He he has he he that 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 he does care quite a bit about this. Um, <laughs> I I just I I'm I'm fat. You know, we, I remember we talked about this over the course of, of the podcast. You know, when when things when they were really in a hole this season, and I told you this is going to take Scott Frost's best coaching to kind of dig them out of this, and I was really mm-hmm. really like intrigued to see what that would look like. Um, I you know I. Maybe the results since then were a bit, a little bit inconclusive because this was just kind of a unpredictable team from week to week, or or a predictably average team from week to week. But I'm just curious, sort of like what he's bringing to the table over the course of these eight months, 
as he gets this team ready and he gets himself ready to sort of after after this turnaround has maybe taken a year longer than 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 a lot of us anticipated. I'm really curious to see this is still a young guy in terms of the coaching profession, right? He's still only been a head coach for four years. Okay. He'll be 45 in January. So it, he he's not a finished product. And I'm not saying that as criticism. I'm saying that there should be optimism that there's for him room to improve, that there's, that there's ways to look at this program and to calibrate and to figure out how to get this thing fixed and how to do things better after two years. I think you have to put some trust that that he is going to advance and progress as he goes into his third year here, where this was not the quick flip that it was at UCF, and I think he knew that. But that that doesn't mean that you you have all the answers, right? It's still a process of getting this thing right, trying to figure out as we've talked about a bunch this season how to best connect with these players and to get their best performance, and um, certainly how to kind of how to just steer the whole ship in the right direction. I, I think you have to have some optimism that he is still the kind of guy that's going to figure that out. Yeah, he's still the guy that Nebraska and so many other schools coveted after the 2017 yes. season. I think my faith in him as that guy, not that it was not that I it was lost, but I was reminded of that this year a bit in the recruiting process because they had a hill to climb Mm -hmm. and the way that he was able to lead Nebraska's finish. And I wrote about this Monday on the athletic um, Scott Frost as a closer in recruiting. It's something that I think it's overlooked a little bit in the talk about Nebraska and the talk about Nebraska recruiting. I, I cited an example about Savion Morrison and we've talked about this a little bit on the pod as it was developing. But Savion Morrison is a guy who was a cornerstone in this class and didn't want to sign in December. Mm-hmm. As Nebraska clo- or, or, yeah, as Nebraska closed the season on Black Friday, he was intent to wait until February. And I expected that Nebraska would go in and aggressively try to pursue his signature in the early signing period, tell him how much he was needed, try to tell him all the things that he wanted to hear. Yeah. And Scott Frost did the, took the opposite approach. He said, that's cool. Take your time. Do whatever you need to do. We're here. We support you in your decision. Mm-hmm. And that convinced Savion, Savion Morrison that he needed to sign in the early signing period. It was Somewhat, it wasn't the hard sell. It was somewhat counterintuitive. And and my point in bringing this up is that Frost has a certain kind of sense that I think is rare, even among head coaches at this level, Mm -hmm. in the way to connect with his players, whether they're recruits or they're guys who are playing for him during a season. He has a special ability to connect with those guys, and I think at some point that's really going to show on the field. Well, and I think I think you it was pretty clear. In, in, in him talking about how they, they closed this class and the message um, when when they hit the road over the past few weeks, it, it seems clear that he and his coaches have been able to convince um, their, their targets that this thing is close and that they're mm-hmm. just a couple pieces away and a couple little things away. And and I think there's, a, there's also sort of the matter of like convincing your players of that, right? And of like getting them to take that big step as collectively. And I think he's capable of it. And I just, 
it just didn't happen and maybe as quickly as we hoped, but I think he's still the best guy to make that happen. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm against the conversation veering back to what was left over from previous regimes and I'm not going to go there, but I do think that it's more easy to convince the players that you recruited into this program. Mm -hmm. If you're Scott Frost and the staff, it's more easy to convince them of that the fact that they are one or two steps away than the players who were here when they already when well, they this arrived. Is, and this is why this is why I talk about the you know the, the the amount of players he's brought in at this point. As you you heard him at times this season talk about okay you know a Wandale's a real one. Okay, we need we need more guys like that. Yeah, I think I think he's in this class that they just brought together and and over the development of the classes he's brought in. I think they're going to find more of those guys. Yeah, I think they did. I think they found guys like Turner Corcoran, Blaze Gunnerson, Nash Hutmaker, who are those kind of players, like Wandale Robinson, like some, Garrett some, Nelson, definitely like some Luke OKGs for this program. They're, yeah. they're kind of guys, right? Absolutely. So, and I mean, these are Midwestern guys. These guys that that we're describing. And I don't think Nebraska can entirely build its class on kids from South Dakota and Iowa and Kansas and mm-hmm. and Colorado, Western Nebraska, whatever. But uh, they, I think that at the foundation of of this program. There needs to stand a core group of players like that. And there will be Florida and California and Texas guys in that core group too. Mm-hmm. But at the, at the very foundation of the program, it's going to be players like that. And they're bringing more of them into the program. So my final reason that we're going to go over here okay. is simply the law of averages. And <laughs> in that this is, this, is, it's, this is sport. It's not like chemistry or biology. At some point, things just kind of start to go your way. And this season that has ended for Nebraska, if you want to point to the things that just kind of went their way, I would say, all right, you can look at Lane McCallum's duck of a field goal (laughs) to beat Northwestern and say, that really went Nebraska's way when maybe it couldn't. But that's, that's, that's almost... Something that, that, that that's a that's a that's a result of something that badly went against Nebraska that it was even in that spot. Mm-hmm. I think as this program gets much more mature, which it will in in the third season over the second season, like it was in the second season over the first season, you get to a point where it starts to tip in the direction of just getting some lucky breaks, and that didn't happen real often. There were occasions where you saw it, but for the most part, Nebraska last year and in many of the previous the years before that, because of successions of coaching changes, has regularly found itself in the spot where was on the other side of getting the good breaks. And I think we'll start to see more lucky, optimi- you know, just fortunate things happen for the Huskers in 2020. This is the year that you start to see some of it. Well, okay, because like realistically, it's not like we're going to sit here and say, you know, if Nebraska just can score like 20 more points per game next year, <laughs> they're going to be really good, right? right. It's like, I, I think the thing is like, if if they can be good enough and improved enough to be a team that plays like six, seven close games Mm -hmm. and then have like, if you're talking about law of averages, like the law of averages would suggest that they're going to have at least average special teams next year, not great special teams, but not the worst in the country. Okay. Not injuries to every kicker in your program. Right. So 
like if you can be that program that is playing a bunch of close games that is hanging with your your big 10 foes and your divisional foes and then you and then you can have some games where you just win by one score margin whether you, it's making the kick at the end or or the other team misses their kick at the end or whatever like i think that's that's like sort of the it's stressful obviously as we saw at times this year but that that's sort of the more reasonable path i think to 8 or 9 wins than just thinking that everything's going to get cranked up and they're going to magically start looking like like an Oregon football team from from Frost Past. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a couple years down the road. You're right. So what do you got? What do you got? One more reason. Give us one more. Okay, I'm going to say for my last one, you, you think back to to something that, that that Scott Frost has said over the course of 2019 a, a few times, he, and and I th- I think he does earnestly believe this still. That that when this thing turns, it's, it's going to turn fast. And and I know that's kind of lip service. I, I know that's something that you have to sort of uh, the messaging that you have to like sort of signal to your recruits and to your players to sort of keep the faith. But I do think there. Like I think if we look around the country, like you look at who are the people that were up for for coach of the year this year, and and it's Matt Rule and it's PJ Fleck and it's these guys who have only been in their program a couple of years, haven't even really gone in and, and completely flipped their roster in a way that Nebraska has, but have been able to make steady enough progress in, in the early years to have a big old jump, you know, and, and, and we saw that with Minnesota this year and Minnesota is going to not, Minnesota is not just going to completely fall off. They're still going to have Rashad Bateman and Tanner Morgan, and they're still going to have some really good pieces. Um, but I like, I, I just think, I think that I, I, I don't think that's false. I don't think that's false that this thing can't turn in a hurry if they can build some momentum. And we've talked of, of course about how they just, they just could not figure out a way to build any wave of, of momentum over the course of the season. And that goes back to the Colorado game and, and really the opportunities early on in the season. But I, I do believe that this thing can, can flip fast. Wisconsin is, is losing Jonathan Taylor. I, I would assume I was losing Nate Stanley. I was losing AJ Epinesa, Tristan Wirfs. Yeah, yeah, they're NFL dudes. Of course, more will just emerge. But um, I, I, I'm not saying the Big Ten's right for the taking. I just think Nebraska has a chance to get better in a in a meaningful way where they can at least be a factor in the division. Yeah, I mean, I think when you hear that, when it turns, it's going to turn fast. It's easy to go, yeah, that sounds logical. That seems like something that would happen, and then. You step back from it, and at least with me, I'm like, well, really? Is, is, is that really the case? But if you start to look around the country, that is kind of how it happens. Saw that happen up close. You and I both did at Iowa State yeah, with Matt Campbell absolutely. into year two, into year three. There's a different timeline we're, for every We're not program. talking about when it turns fast, it turns into Clemson, okay? No. <laughs> we're, we're just saying that no. when, 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 you get, when you have these things aligned, you can go have the kind of season – that allows you to recruit at a higher level and it allows you to attract better players and it sort of build this kind of the snowball effect that Nebraska really badly needs to get started. Yeah, I, I think it's legit. I think that uh, there's something to what he says. And the bigger thing is is, is going to be convincing all those guys on the roster that that's the, that's the truth. So that when they do find that that momentum, that moment. I think you'll know it when you see it, when there's a, a win that comes in a certain kind of way 
whether it's next year you think it'd be next year or the year after or whenever it is, when they get to that moment, they recognize it and the players in the locker room recognize it and, and they, they're able to build on it. Do, do you think that missing a bowl, as much as they needed these practices, like do you think that, that the brutal offseason that, mm-hmm. that these players are going to be put through because of that is, is going to be productive in some ways of getting establishing maybe a, a, a mindset for 2020 as opposed to, you know, getting to seven wins and never, you know, coming out of a bowl and people are patting themselves on the back feeling like, yeah, we're, we're pretty good now, right? This is a new way to really try to find some <laughs> optimism from a negative we're thing. Trying, See, we are, we're we trying, We are in the spirit here. It, was it good for Nebraska to have missed a bowl in 2019? No, I'm just saying, I, do, I know do you think I know that's going to... I think it can set put a chip the on their shoulder. I think that does that set the tone a it, little bit yeah. for how Zach Duvall and his staff well break these guys down and build I, them up. I think that was a legitimate talking point a year ago at this time. Sure. It's it's tough for me to sell that one. I don't think one. they were sitting here saying, let's try and do that again yeah. so we can get the message through <laughs> even better. It's tough to sell that one this year, but uh, it's the holidays, so we're gonna go with it. I I it's you know, in in March it's not going to hurt as much to have missed a bowl as it does sitting here right now on the mm-hmm. week of Christmas. Yeah, this is this is this is the low point I think as these guys go home and they and they you know <laughs> you they're they're you, at you home. You sound for the like you're just like really bummed out hanging out with your family and stuff because you're not on bowl trip. <laughs> I, it's not me. I, I, it's I'm fine with it. I'm but uh, I think there are probably some guys on that roster who it's going to be it's going to be tough for them to get through this next week knowing where they all expected to be. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. Are we going to before we finish this thing give our picks for the college football playoff semifinals? Do do people want to hear that? Yeah. I mean okay. I want to I want I want you to hear that as a okay. listener. All right. Nothing in depth. Just cuz you're going to be sitting on your couch watching very very good football teams yeah. playing semifinals on Saturday. So yes. Saturday we've got Oklahoma and LSU in the first game, we've got Clemson and Ohio State in the second game. Just your winners. Who are they? Uh, LSU. I think Oklahoma has just suffered too many, too many losses in the lead up to this game mm-hmm. to be uh, to be more competitive with yeah, it's LSU. Been a, it's been a rough month for the it's Sooners. It's been a rough month for the Sooners. They certainly needed all the help they can get, and that's not happening. Mm-hmm. I think LSU uh, rolls in that one. And then, man... Like I kind of feel like whoever wins the Fiesta Bowl might win the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have Ohio State as my team to mm-hmm. win it all, but I, I'm, I won't be shocked if we're sitting around here saying, "Man, it's kind of weird how Clemson won it all this year, right?" Because there's been so much sort of discounting what they've done over the course of that easy ACC season. But so your uh, pick, your pick is I'm Ohio picking State. Ohio State, okay, and I, and I and I still have Ohio State to win it all. But but I'm also like, if LSU is playing at home for the national title. Like that is Ohio State is up against a lot if they're playing the Super Superdome against LSU. Yeah, as much as I want to pick LSU and Ohio State to win and and have the the, the Joe Burrow Bowl mm-hmm. at, at the center of everyone's mind for uh, the championship, I'm going with Clemson. So I, I'm I'm with you on on LSU 100. percent I think that game could get uh, maybe even out of hand in the yeah. second half. 
but uh, I and in the second the second game is is definitely the premiere of the two uh, the premier game of the two semifinals. I'm going with uh, with Clemson. I think they're the best team in the country. The, the Tigers have been the best team in the country all year. Didn't play like it early, but uh, but they they have been late and they are now and they will uh, they will win. The you whole know, thing. sneaky about them too. They haven't lost anyone along the way. They they have not been hit hard by injuries yeah. at all this year. Well, so they're they're ready schedule for this. that the schedule helps. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. All right, that's it. That's it for us. Give the gift of The Athletic this holiday season. Save $20 off a one-year subscription for your friends or family by heading over to theathletic.com forward slash gift. Or you can go to theathletic.com forward slash sellouts for 40% off the subscription price. That is it for this episode. A heartfelt thank you to all of our listeners for supporting the show this year. When you approach us at the gas station, in restaurants, at my kid's school, at Max's favorite grocery store, it means a lot to us. Continue to say how much you and tell us how much you enjoy the, the <laughs> show. Please praise us. We need yeah, the, we need ab- your praise. That's what Mitch is saying. Right. Subscribe to the show <laughs> on Apple and Spotify. Keep listening. Have a great final week of 2019. Happy holidays, everyone. Thanks, everyone.